Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The Bigger Picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to The Bigger Picture. Investors have long been keen on ETFs, and the sector is undergoing a shakeup in Singapore with the first active ETF set to hit the market here tomorrow. Well, let's unpack the world of ETFs and what to do in the year ahead. We've got Marcus Weirer. He is the Senior ETF Investment Strategist for Franklin Templeton. Good morning, Marcus. Good morning, Ryan. Great having you on the show, Marcus. So let's get things started first with how ETFs have been quite a popular way for many people to get started investing. You just buy into it and get exposure right away to a couple of big companies. Walk us through what can we expect with actively managed ETFs. We are seeing increasing interest in this. What are some of the pros and cons here? I would say that active ETFs are, if you look at the market now, are a very, very small portion of the market. I mean, the largest portion of the market is in the US. That's where, you know, the US is usually running ahead in terms of innovation. In Europe, we also see increasing take up of that vehicle for active strategies. And now, as you said, you know, in Singapore, the first listing. So it's a small portion of the market for now, but it's also the strongest growing. And I think that is testament really, you know, to the strength and the robustness of the ETF vehicle that we have seen over the last couple of years and and decades now through crisis, you know, they've been robust, they kept trading, the liquidity is there, the visibility is there, transparency, all of that. So it's not a surprise that managers like ourselves as well, you know, they wrap active strategies into an ETF. But really, at the end of the day, it's still the ETF is just a vehicle to transport different strategies to the end investor. Yeah, Marcus, is this a reflection of how markets have changed? We need to be more nimble. We need to be on our feet. And I suppose being active in a way will be able to achieve higher returns, which is what investors are looking for. The active return or the alpha that you're looking for, that is really the end goal. Obviously, you know, not all investors can achieve that all the time. That's why passive investing has grown so massively over the last decade. On the other hand, we think that there are definitely markets where it makes sense to be active. And even, you know, if it's for risk management purposes, not even only to look for better returns at the end of the day, but also to navigate risks where we have plenty currently, geopolitical inflation risks and so on. Really, at the end of the day, it comes down to the investor and to their philosophy. But we would always argue, you know, that active and passive is not to be seen as competitors, but rather as complements. So for some buckets in your portfolio, you may choose passive. For others, you may choose an active strategy. But the vehicle of choice can definitely be the ETF. Marcus, let's take a step back and look at the market for ETFs. How much is it growing these days? And where is the money flowing to? Where are you seeing interest going to? I've looked at a few numbers, you know, ahead of our conversation for Asia in particular. And what struck me is really that the region, and uh, when I speak of Asia, you usually take out Japan. We've seen 36% growth in assets under management for ETFs year on year. I mean, that's a big number, but over the last five years, it's actually grown fourfold. So that's far outstripping both Europe and the US. And then in terms of, you know, markets where it's flowing to, I mean, I think obviously last year we've seen very strong flows into tech heavy indexes. So Korea has been up over 20%. Taiwan has been up 30%, you know, tech heavy dominated indexes. But then also, you know, in the US, we all talk about the Magnificent Seven, mm. right? So the big mega cap stocks in technology that have led the indexes. So that's where it's at the moment. But on the other hand, we see, for especially for 2024, we think that the indexes are going to broaden out a little bit, that there are opportunities in other sectors that are not only tech, even though that is going to be a mainstay for many investors. And you touched 
upon it regarding the AI theme, right? I mean, that's going to stay with us. But overall, we think that there are other trends that is worth looking at. All right. So we talked about some of the potential themes to look out for, like AI. How about other themes you've got on your radar? Would luxury be one of them? Luxury would be one of them, although I would I would say as a theme, maybe uh, it's a little bit too narrow. What I would say is a theme where luxury goods uh, would fall under is maybe the theme you could call consumerism mm. that we see in several countries, especially again in Asia. So we have on the one hand, we have India, you know, a strongly growing market in terms of demographics, but also upscaling in terms of the goods that they consume as moving to become a middle class, middle income country. As people get wealthier, you know, they buy nicer stuff. The same is true for China. Also there we have a demographic that is actually shrinking and obviously other economic and geopolitical issues there at the moment. But uh, consumption is actually strong in China as well. So from that point of view, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said luxury goods that would fall under consumer discretionary really. So consumer titles, but where you spend on discretion, so not on your food or your staples that you have at home, it would be called consumer staples, but really the consumer discretionary. So where there's excess money to be spent. And that is certainly a theme that we see for 2024, especially as interest rates and inflation are set to come down. Mm, Marcus, talking about themes, one other thing to watch out for this year is the US presidential elections. What can we expect in terms of economy and market implications and how do you navigate this? I mean, that's a tricky one, right? We're, we're almost a year or we're 10 months out now. It's on the 6th of November and then by the time we know the end result, it's going to be a couple of days later. So it's still early in days. At the same time, Trump looks all but through the primaries. I mean, obviously, it's looking like they're going to South Carolina with Nikki Haley and then potentially into the Super Tuesday. But if you look at the polls, it looks like we're going to have a rematch Trump-Biden, which incidentally is ironic because... Most polls say that 60, 70 or more percent of Americans actually don't want such a rematch, but that's exactly what they're likely going to get. And that means then that we're going to have two 80-year-olds, basically both deeply unpopular. Biden is more unpopular now than Trump was at the same time in his first term. And mm-hmm. Trump at that time was already the least popular president. And then we also have, you know, if I may say that uh, Trump tended to be a loose cannon in terms of his announcements on Twitter and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of, I think, nervosity that can feed into the markets, which could lead to volatility. Trump wasn't necessarily bad for the economy. He had some tax cuts. He has already announced that they would be permanent if you would go into the White House again. So it's a mixed picture. At the moment, it's a coin flip. Who would win? And so I think the only thing that we would tell investors at this point is rather than look at sectors or companies that might benefit from one or the other is just to prepare, you know, for volatility going forward. We had last year, we had average volatility in the S&P of about 13 or 14. Usually on average, that's about 20. We might see higher volatility this year with the elections going on. So to wrap it up, I think prepare for volatility, focus on quality companies, you know, with good earnings growth in sectors that have relatively low debt. So there's no surprise on the interest rate side and then people should be fine. Mm, quality is the focus this year as we look forward to perhaps more volatility in the year ahead. We've been in conversation with Marcus Weira. He's the Senior ETF Investment Strategist for Franklin Templeton. Marcus, thank you so much for your time and insights this morning. Thank you very much, Ryan, and have a good day. Have a good day as well, Marcus. Stay Money FM 89.3.
Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.